and welcome back to Franklin Covey's On Leadership Series. My name is Scott Miller, and I serve as your host each week. Now, you know, we don't always have authors in the studio. Lots of times we invite thought leaders, CEOs, you know, major luminaries that have really paid the price to learn some valuable leadership lessons to pass on to us. And today is just such that day. My sense is she'll probably be an author in the future. But today we have Ann Chow, who's a member of the Franklin Covey Board of Directors and also serves as the CEO of AT&T Business. Ann, welcome to On Leadership. Great. Scott, so good to see you again. I should say welcome back because you were a guest on our first season. Yes, I was. Thank you for coming back today. You're very welcome. We have a great conversation to discuss centered around managing and developing your brand and career. Sure. You've had a major transition transition in your own career in the last four or five months. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we could talk a bit about your career at AT&T and kind of what happened in terms of your own trajectory the last couple of months. Sure, sure, sure. I'm, I'm happy to. And thanks for having me back. I guess it was pretty good the first That's time. That's right. right? Yeah, highly <laughs> rated, highly <laughs> downloaded. Right. Yes. The sequel. The sequel. Yes. Okay. So, um, so my career at AT&T, I mean, it has almost spanned three decades, if you can believe it or not. I'm celebrating my, it's about probably 29 and a half years. It's unique for people of our similar age. Because yes. gone, gone are the days of multi-decade or even decade-long careers. That is so true. And, yeah. you know, and if I were you know, being completely transparent, when I first started at AT&T almost 30 years ago, I had no intention of staying for the full ride. Mm, yeah. um, I started there because I loved technology and I wanted to work in, a, in an industry that would enable me to work with technology and also people. Right? Mm. But um, as, as it were, for me, what keeps me going and what has really fueled my, my career and my passions is the ability to impact people, the, Im- the ability to impact business in a really meaningful way. Um, I am also a lifelong learner. And so I want to be always in an environment where I'm learning as I'm, you know, as I'm, as I'm going yeah. along. And so it has been a fantastic ride at AT&T. I'm on my, let me see, let me count. I am on my 17th job. Wow. Yeah, in almost 30 years. You've had years. 17 careers. I, yes. Inside of yes, AT&T. I have, yeah, so I'm on my 17th yeah. assignment, and I want to say my 26th boss. So it has been um, an incredible, incredible ride. I've um, had a whole bunch of different types of experiences from product management to marketing, sales a bunch of different times, yeah, yeah. strategy. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's been a wonderful ride so far. Um, as to the transition that you're alluding to, um, fairly recently I became the CEO of AT&T Business. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank this you. is a 35 billion dollar company inside of AT&T. Yes, it is. With 30,000 plus team members associates. This is a this is the equivalent I think I heard once of being the CEO of a Fortune 100 company. Yeah, it which is. Which you are. Yeah, it it is and it's such an incredible honor and I'm so blessed to have this opportunity to support all of my colleagues around around the world. We have the incredible honor of serving businesses of all sizes across all industries, not only across America, but around the world with their communication solutions needs. And so it's uh, it's been a, a great entry um, into my new role, but uh, in many ways it feels like coming home because I've spent the bulk of my career in AT&T business. I can relate to a lot of things in life. Mm. I can't relate to being responsible ultimately for a $33 billion enterprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You take that, I'm sure, with great seriousness and in gravitas. Yeah, right? well, well, I don't know about the gravitas, but for, for sure we take it with a, a, great, um, a great amount of uh, seriousness. I mean, we are in business for our customers, for our shareholders, and you know, the way that we bring our services to life is not only through our technology, but through yeah. our people. Rewind a couple of decades. Yeah. I'd love to kind of know early on in life, what sure. were your natural talents and curiosities yeah. that led to you becoming not the CEO of this, mm-hmm. of this business, but of like going to college and getting your sure. degree? What, what, sure. what, what did you discover early on about yourself? Yeah, so truth be told, when I was younger, I thought I wanted to be a musician. 
Wow. So I had this dream of performing in Carnegie Hall. You were musically inclined. I, I was. I actually and went, am, Yes, right? I, yeah. So I, I went to the Juilliard Preschool, uh, Pre-College School of Music in New York City. Uh, yes. So I went there for about seven years wow. um, as I was doing regular school. What age was that? Uh, from 10 till 17. Wow, so you yeah. were in a, you were, that was your schooling? That was supplemental schooling. <laughs> it was supplemental schooling on the weekend. Yes, yes. right. Basically, well, we I called had... tennis. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know about <laughs> and that. football, you yeah. called the Juilliard yeah. Yeah. Early School yeah. for Ingenues. Right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. But, but so I, I hit high school and I realized, you know, in order to be great, um, you know, in terms of being a musician, uh, it didn't. It wasn't just your skill level. It wasn't just your contribution. I'd be in the right place at the right time. And for me, that was too much to be left for chance. So I decided to become an electrical engineer instead. Yeah. Because it's just logical. Right. right. From Cornell. Uh, yeah. 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 Electrical engineer. Yes. 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 So so practical. I, yeah, practical. Yeah. I was good at math and science, which okay. is perhaps a little bit stereotypical, Can't but relate. I was. Yeah. 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 I, I, I was, and so. Um, throughout my college education, I had a chance to intern um, at a company that actually no longer exists, um, it, but it was in telecom and it was in technology. And so I had a chance to do a bunch of different types of jobs that were highly technical, whether it was research, whether it was software engineering, whether it was hardware engineering. And I realized while I was going to school that I loved the technology, but I also loved dynamics with people. So it, it spurred me to um, continue on to business school, right, where I really started developing what perhaps are more of my softer skills, if mm -hmm. you will. Mm -hmm. um, and then my first job at AT&T, because I went to AT&T straight out of business school, was as a network architect. Yeah. And so from there, I realized again that while I wanted to be technical and work in a technical industry, that I wanted to expand more toward, closer towards the customer and closer into kind of more business decision making. 29 years? Yeah. And a half. Wow. Yeah. And a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. When you're four, you say your age and half, and when you're 29 years, you count the half. Yeah, now That's I real, think right? it's just 30. I just round up yeah. to 30, right? Yeah. So I'm one of those people. Was it purely accidental that you stayed? Were there some reasons why you chose to build your entire career yeah. in one organization? Yeah, well, I, I'm a big believer in both science and serendipity, right? And so for me, I always... While um, you know, while I would face decisions in front of me as it relates to my career, I always uh, play the long game as well, right? And you know, Scott, as I mentioned before, for me, the the one of the motivators for me to be successful and to be happy, which I think are very much intertwined, um, are to always be learning, right? And so, in my upwards of 30-year career at AT&T, I would tell you that I have never been bored, right? Of course, there have been frustrating days um, and moments, sure. and it, it has. Um, hardly ever been easy, if you will, right? But for me, the learning and the continuous change that's inherent in our industry has been fantastic. So I never intended to stay for the duration of my corporate career. It sort of happened that way. This is what I say. It's a little bit of science and serendipity. Yeah. And the next best job always happened to be in the company, right, in terms of Did the culture of AT&T do something deliberate to build an environment where people like you can stay mm -hmm. their entire careers. So it's like you, I've been at Franklin Covey for 23 years. Yes, Highly unusual, thank you, yeah. at your pleasure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's unusual for our generation. Yeah. I've had seven careers here, yeah. and we're a much smaller company, right, mm -hmm. by degrees of magnitude. I've been able to, like you, build seven or eight careers yeah. in the firm. What's special about AT&T that allowed you to build your entire career sure. there? Yeah, so 
the AT&T I hired in with um, is not the same company that it is right, today, right? And so um, it has evolved multiple different times, right? I mean, I have sold businesses. I've been part of an acquisition, right, um, in terms of what, what our company looks like today. And so um, to, to me, part of what AT&T does so well is just this constant reinvention of our business, right? I mean, you know, we, we have one of our sayings, which is to deliver the future first, right? And so, so we are all about that as it relates to our customers, whether they're business customers or consumer customers. And so that constant change, that pace of wanting to stay stay ahead, right, and to do do good in terms of the products and services yeah. we provide, yeah. you know, communications um, and uh, you know, and entertainment and media have become so vital, you know, in our in our lives, you know, and in the business context. Communication is vital to the life of any any business, quite frankly, right? And yeah, so yeah. Um, that is what has kept me going. And you know, I think AT&T has done a really a brilliant job at investing in our employees, investing in our communities, and really creating a culture that um, you know has been recognized as number one in diversity inclusion, number one in terms of a learning company, all things that are very much aligned. You're with also my the best place plan. to work at the yes, very top. Right, right, one of the great, right. greatest places to work as well. So very much aligned with my own sort of personal brand yeah. and my own personal yeah. Yeah. You know, desires and, and priorities. And in this next question, check your humility for a moment. Okay. I'll remind our listeners and viewers, <laughs> CEO, AT&T business, $35 billion in revenue or more, 30 plus thousand associates, what did you do right in managing your brand, your results, and your career mm-hmm. to move up so uh, strategically in the organization? And I'm going to ask you, uh, what missteps did you make? But first, yeah. um, unabashedly, what are some things that you did right that are replicable sure. for others to manage their brand and their sure. results? Sure. I think one of the things that I, that I did right um, was um, I was largely open to change always, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I think about the roles that I've had, I kept myself very open to the art of the possible, right? Mm-hmm. So even if I didn't have, or I didn't think that I had the skills to go do a job, if somebody was pursuing me for it, I would say to myself, hey, what's the worst case, right? The worst case is I go and I learn something and I find out I hate it, or I find out that I'm bad at it, and that can't be a bad outcome. Right, right. So that is translated um, for me into you know, kind of mentoring um, and, and coaching of others. And here's Anne's formula for applying this within your own career, which is, if the opportunity is accretive to your resume on the inside of the company and mm. on the outside of the company, it cannot be a bad move, right. right? Because if it gives you something, right, and makes you more valuable and helps you develop better insight about yourself, it can't be a bad thing. And I've really applied that throughout, throughout my career, yeah. uh, both in terms of roles, in terms of people that I've worked for. You know, reasonably recently, you know, a, a, you know, a big corporate relocation, you know, from the East Coast to yeah, Texas, yeah. right? And so that's something that I feel like I've done, you know, I've, I've done Are you right. a natural risk taker? Yes, for yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. It yeah. really comes down to the roots um, with my parents. My parents immigrated to this, this country in the 60s, and mm-hmm. they came here with you know, less than $500 U.S. to their name. And so when I think about the risk they took leaving their native country to come here to pursue the proverbial you know, um, American dream, I think there's almost nothing that I can do that, you know, that matches um, the risk they took to start our family. You know? And I credit them a lot with the values that I have and my approach to leadership and life, quite frankly. Yeah. To recap that, your sort of big insight, if you would share with others on your career, is your nimbleness, your flexibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was the one thing you'd attribute, uh, that's obviously, one. others. But anything yeah. else that you'd say that's replicable? Yes. yes, thank you. The other one that I would say is of equal importance is the value of people and relationships. Yeah. Right? And so I learned early on through several missteps that you know, as big as a, a company and as industry as AT&T was, it's a very small place. Right? And business at large now, as we think about uh, mobile, mobile internet and social, right? I mean, we are 
so few degrees separated from each other, right? Yeah. And so the, the power of people, the power of the relationships that you develop, that you cultivate, um, that you sustain throughout the course of your career are really what make it a beautiful, joyous mm. thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so I would say that's the other mm. um, equally, if not even more important thing, is to understand and truly embrace the value of people and relationships in you, you know, throughout your career. You're on our board here, so mm -hmm. you're very passionate about Franklin Covey's mission and content. You mentioned that you were, uh, like me, uh, enculturated into the seven habits early yes, in your career I as was. well. Mm -hmm. We like to say here that people are not a company's most valuable asset. That kind of yes. cliche is dead. It's the right. relationships between people That's right. that you can't replicate. That's right. Because Anne can be genius yes. and come from Cornell, and Scott can be genius, yes. not from Cornell. <laughs> but if we can't work together and complement, there's no value in that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I think this this whole idea that people are, and I, I agree, I've never liked the saying people are an asset, right? I think people are the differentiator. You know, one, one of the things yeah. that I like to say is, you know, life is about people and business is about relationships, yeah. right? And so every business is a relationship business. I happen to think, uh, and you would, you would probably agree with this and understand this, every every business is actually a tech business too, whether they know yeah. it, right? Yeah. And so Whether they know it or not. Whether they know it or not, <laughs> right? And the same with the people, right? Yeah. Not every business realizes that, they're in the relationship business, right? Whether it's with their customers, which is the most obvious, but with their employees and with their shareholders, stakeholders, you know, partners, suppliers, every business works on relationship, no yeah. matter how big or how right. small. And right. I think that this is something that um, really reinforces why I'm so passionate about Covey, right? Yeah. Because we are a, you know, we are a, we are a, a company, an organization that is passionate about organizations and teams and leadership and culture and performance, right? And uh, you know, quite honestly, it's the reason why you know um, I'm on the board. Yeah. This is easy for you. Show some vulnerability. What are some missteps you look sure. back and say, "Gosh, if I would have done that differently, I might have had more influence or moved up." Wasn't always your. It wasn't your career strategy to be the yeah. CEO of no, AT&T business. Right. Uh, I've heard you say it was the result of a lot of people believing in you yes. and being your champion, yes. um, uh, your ally. What are some missteps you took that people could learn from their listening and watching? Yeah, oh gosh, there's so many missteps. And so here's, what, here's, here's something that I, I like to frame up around this, right? So I feel that um, failure is just simply a part of the learning press, uh, process. You know, I, I saw this, I, I don't forget on what social pro platform, but I, I, I thought it was brilliant, so now I've adopted it, which is... You probably read it on one of my LinkedIn I'm sure posts, it was, I imagine. It was, yeah. I'm sure it was from you, okay, <laughs> yes. right? Um, if it's not, you'll, you'll claim it because it's that good, right? And that there are really only two outcomes. The two outcomes are success or learning, right? Hmm. There's really no such thing as failure, right? And so um, with that philosophy, if I think about the many missteps or failures or learnings I've had, there, there are so many, I would say, if I think about... Um, if I think about one of them, I'm going to go back to this notion of people. I didn't realize early on in my career how important it was to stay connected and to not burn bridges, right? I mean, I was quite bold. I was quite brazen, you know, in my early career. I suspect maybe you were too, Scott, yes, right? You know, uh, you think about all of the, you know, stereotypes of Gen Xers mm -hmm. like us, right? And yeah, I kind of fit a lot of those stereotypes, you know, pretty early in my career. Mm -hmm. And um, whether it was a misstep with my boss, right, not managing a relationship really mm -hmm. well, not mm -hmm. realizing how important he or she was, right, to me in the context of that, um, to not um, you know, accept the opportunity as, as early as one could. You know, I think about early on, um, you know, I had an executive come to me and she wanted me to be her chief of staff. Um, and I said no the mm. first time. And the second time she asked because I thought to myself, hey, I didn't go to college and right. do this to yes. be a chief of staff. Right? What you would have learned in that role, though, probably. Uh, I took it the third time she asked, right? And in fact, I, I wrote a recent article on primewomen.com. How gracious of her to keep asking. That's right. She, that's was, right. she had something in mind for you. That's right. She did. And I, I wrote a recent article about this on primewomen.com, actually, about 
one of her greatest lessons, which is all about people. And that, that job, that chief of staff role for that executive early on in my career, was, I would say, the first major inflection point in my career because mm -hmm. it showed me what politics were all about, both the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. It showed me what executive governance could be. It put me at a level of learning that I would have never achieved that early in my career had I not had that exposure, right? And it gave me an opportunity to work for just an amazingly dynamic and incredible leader, um, you know, from whom uh, you know, I still embody many of the lessons she taught me, um, you know, even just by osmosis, um, you know, every, every day. And off camera, you and I have talked, we're of similar, the similar ages. Yes, we are. We've talked about our own kind of learning maturely, maturity journey, right? Yes, that yeah. you were young and brazen, and I was young and very, very brazen, and we've learned some lessons. Yeah. As the CEO of AT&T mm -hmm. Business Now, what are the types of characteristics you look for when you're promoting someone up yes. into a more senior leadership, both in terms of technical competence and sure. personality? What sure. are the things that you, that, uh, that are, no deals for you. Sure, sure, sure. It's, it's a great question. And I'll actually start my answer to this question by another uh, lesson that I learned from Covey, right, which is speed of trust, right? Speed of yeah. trust is actually something that we, um, you know, that we embraced in AT&T as part of our learning and right. development um, journey and, and it is something that really resonated with me, right? And if we think about the two foundations for trust, um, you know, I call them part of the, you know, part of the C's of leadership, if you will, for, for mm -hmm. Anne. Their character and competence, right? Mm -hmm. For me, these are table stakes, okay? Um, one, because they are the foundations to trust somebody. They must have character, but they also must be competent in that area. And I, I think that one of the biggest fallacies of leadership is we focus on one or the other. We don't realize that in order to promote somebody, in order to take a chance on somebody, you really need both, right? It's not just, hey, yes, Scott's a great guy, and I trust him. It's, does Scott have the confidence, the capability to do the job. The example that I'll tell you is a story that I use when I talk about some of this, you know, the C's of, of leadership for me as I, as, I, as I look for leaders and I, as I develop leaders. My brother's a doctor. He is, uh, he's an OBGYN, right? Mm -hmm. I trust him completely, right? You know, if something happens to my husband and me, my kids are going to him, right? So I trust him completely. Your brother is your only OBGYN. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's not my, right? He's okay, not my, yeah. okay, right? Got but it. he, right. Um, I recently, you know, I had shoulder surgery a couple of years ago. Yeah. Would I trust him to do my shoulder surgery? No, because he's not a shoulder surgeon, right? right? So that gets the, the character and the competence aspect of a decision point when you're looking to yeah. hire somebody, promote somebody, select somebody for a key role in your life or in your business, right? Um, so other, other C's that I look for um, in, in leaders, collaboration. I believe that, um, you know, to your earlier point, that nothing can be done alone, right? Even if you're a software developer, right, and you want to work entirely by yourself, your product, your genius will never be fully realized unless you, you work with others, whether they're touch Can you teach collaboration? You absolutely can. You even absolutely even can. further in someone's career? Uh, you can. You, you, can. Abs you absolutely yeah. can. You absolutely can. Um, another one for me is communication, right? I believe that great leaders need to know how to communicate. Um, you know, and that's not to say that you have to be able to speak in front of a group of you know, 10,000 people, yeah. but you have to be able to connect with people, to relate with people, mm -hmm. right? Whether it's, it's one-on-one or you know, through all the different mediums and vehicles that we have now, mm -hmm. which is incredible, actually. Yeah. Uh, you know, another C for me is curiosity. Um, I believe that um, you know, all great leaders are always asking that next question, right? Because nothing is ever done or finished, right? Every aspect of business, every aspect of life is a continuous improvement journey. And so I feel that the great leaders out there are the ones that are just, you know, that are, that are curious, that are actually curious. Mm -hmm. I also think leaders um, should be courageous, right? I think, um, you know, when I look for leaders, I, I view 
uh, and I think this gets to the, the point about risk taking. I, I want leaders to have courage, right? Courage in their convictions on um, you know on, on what they on what they pursue and um, you know the decisions they make. And so those are just some of the yeah. characteristics yeah. of um, of leaders that I look for and that I work to you know coach and and, and groom in my people. I was preparing for an interview with the movie producer Brian Grazier. He wrote mm-hmm. a book called uh, A Curious Mind, mm-hmm. and it's all about his own curious yeah. curiosity conversations. He yeah. calls them. And he said something profound in the book. I'm going to misquote it. Okay. But Brian Grazier said, in essence, you know, curious people have empathy. Yeah. Or they strive for empathy yes. because they're interested in learning about the other person. Right. But more importantly, taking the time to listen to their response. Right. As you become the CEO of this multi-billion dollar company, do you find yourself tempted in your urgency, uh, the pressures that are urgent, and, and all the demands do you have less time to develop relationships? Do you have less time to be curious about people? How do you kind of fight against that natural force? Yeah, so, so of course, they're, they're always, uh, I mean, time is our most, most precious, yeah. you know, one of our most precious resources, right? Because you can never get it back. So it is a constant struggle in terms of trying to figure out where do you best spend your time, right? Um, I find that I spend my best time when I'm with people, whether it's my clients, whether it's my partners or my teams. That is when I feel like I'm the most productive, if you will, right? Um, you know, as it relates to the point about curiosity, I, I would yeah. agree. I would agree. I mean, I, I think for me, naturally curious people realize inherently that they don't know everything, right? Yeah. And I would tell you, I, yes. I feel, you know, I don't, you know, I feel less intelligent. I feel, you know, I feel dumb on any particular topic. Frequently, right? And I have become okay with that. I, mean, I was okay with that a long, long time ago, right? I mean, whether it's you know from it's the a sign of humility, it's a sign of confidence. Well, well, well actually. I think yeah. look, look, you know, you put it this way: each one of us knows what we know, and there is no one else in the world who knows what we. Know. But to that point, that that person that you're with, that you're talking to, that you're on him, will know things that you don't know, right? And this is the beauty of actually diversity and inclusion, which is you want to surround yourself with as many different type of people as possible because every one of you brings different thought leadership, different experiences, different skill sets, different perspectives, and this is what makes teams great, right? And this is actually a key hallmark of great leadership is the ability to assemble teams that are truly um, complementary in their nature, right? Um, so that we avoid, you know, that classic, uh, you know, back when we went to school, you know, group, they used to call it groupthink, yeah. right? When you surround yourself with people that were exactly like you. And so, yeah. therefore, you would get a very predictable outcome, but you would almost never get the best outcome, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because you were not driving breakthrough. And so, you, you mentioned yeah. two of your C's were uh, competence and character, right? Yes. From Dr. or from Stephen Covey's book, yes. The Speed of Trust. Yes. Uh, what would your answer be? I mean, guess I can predict it. Yeah. We see a lot in the paper now, almost every week, mm. uh, whether it be a CEO or any kind of leader that's you know having to resign in disgrace or mm. some kind of you know personal indiscretion. Yeah. Why is that continuing? And what can people do? What advice would you give people to avoid them becoming the next casualty, whether they're a frontline manager or the CEO or a board member? Yeah. Why do we still see so much of that with so much... Yeah. Transparency in companies and hotlines yeah. and right. and Me Too and boards. It seems right. like it hasn't diminished much. Yeah. So um, okay. So you you may not like this answer, but uh, you know here's here's my here's my view of it. One is integrity and character is not negotiable, right? I I happen to view you have it or you don't, right? I, I view that it is part of your moral fiber. It is your part of your internal compass, and you have it or you don't. It is one in of the every reasons, part of your life. In every part of your life. In fact, um, you know, you, you and I were talking about this over over coffee this morning about how um, you know, and I, and I like the fact that we're aligned on this. That this notion of a bifurcated life—you have yeah. your personal life and your right. professional life—is bunk, right? It, it, you have you have you have your life, and 
you are who you are. You have different roles in your life, of course, right? But at the core of who you are and your moral fiber, you don't bring forth somebody different, right, in your integrity at work versus at home or whether you're at your community, right? And so I view that, you know, in integrity, you know, integrity is something that's consistent throughout your life. Now, if faced with, let me take a little bit more nuance of an answer then on that very black and white answer, um, you know, th th that I gave you about my view of character and integrity, uh, which is non-negotiable, right? Yeah. Um, is if you're faced with a decision, and it's not clear, right? Because let's face it, there are many, many, many sure. different shades of gray, right? In decisions that we make, right? That we may think, hmm, you know, it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit on the on the edge, right? Am I comfortable making this? This is the advice that I give my team, and this is the advice that I've really strived to embrace throughout my career, which is, if you're on the fork on, on you know, if you are at a fork on the road, and you're confused at which road to take. Take the high road, right? The high road will always be the best road and the right Whether road. that's on the P&L, yes. booking revenue, Correct. relationships, relationships, dealing with a client, right. telling the truth Negotiate, to the press. Right. Negotiation, yeah. Yeah. right? You know, I mean, yeah. just behaviorally, right? What words you choose, right? What tone you choose. How you respond take, to someone. How you respond to somebody in the moment of yes. great emotion, right? Because yeah. we know emotion pervades right. business, right? right? You know, as much as we like to think that it doesn't, it does. We're people. It's, it's natural. It's human. So take the high road, right? Um, and that will always lead you to the best right place, right? And I, and I, th I think that, you know, when I coach, especially those earlier in their careers, I think part of it is helping them try to see what that road is. Because you know, early in your career, you don't sometimes know, hey, if your boss asks you to do something, you find yourself in this situation, you know, you're, you're, you're out with a vendor and you're not quite sure. I mean, maybe some, you know, sometimes you don't know. And you, know, you want to give people the benefit of the doubt. But unless you're surfacing those and having those as, again, teaching moments to the point of every aspect of your career, of your life is a learning, you know, is a learning opportunity, you don't know. Right. Yeah. So, and go old school on me. Yeah. What advice would you give our listeners and, and, and viewers to, on managing their career? Like mm. four or five things that everyone should do. We okay. talked offline about how you recently met with um, former President George W. Bush. Yes. And how after you know an hour and a half with him on camera, off camera in the green room, what a gentleman mm -hmm. you thought he was, regardless mm -hmm. of politics aside. Yes, that's right. And how you exchanged handwritten thank you notes and yes. such, and how that's kind of a bit of a dying art. Yes. Talk about some of the things that are that are uh, uh, not culture dependent, yes. not generational dependent. Things right. people can do to manage their brand well sure. with their career. Sure, sure, sure. So I would say first and foremost is performance, right? This gets to character and competence. Results. Right. You have to bring it, right? That's table stakes. You know, there's a saying um, that I've learned in Texas. I never knew it before. I will admit is, you know, all hat, no cattle. Right. Right. Yeah. And so you have to bring it, right? So performance is table stakes. And performance is measured in the eyes of the beholder, right? Mm -hmm. So you may think you're a rock star, but if your boss, the constituents, the right. people giving you your rating, your team members don't think you're a rock star, you're not a rock star, right. okay? So performance is paramount, and that to me is step one. You need to understand what it takes to be a strong performer, or whatever kind of performer you aspire to be, yeah. um, in, in your role. And right? ask. Yeah, and ask. Ask your boss, and right? absolutely ask. Am I delivering what you're expecting right. from me? Right, and what would it take to become, right. you know, be become your top performer, or one of your top performers, yeah. right? Um, because that is has some degree of subjectivity, yeah. right? Okay. Right. So performance is one, and, and um, also expectations change. Yes. yes right. Your yes. boss may or may not have communicated well right. to you that she wants something different from you, and you're still delivering what you thought. That's or right. Guessing. That's right. And the worst thing to do, and this is actually a mistake that I made early in my career, is you wait till your year-end performance review, oh, and wow. you're surprised, <laughs> right? And this is a mistake yeah. so many people make: is that they wait till the year-end and they're surprised, and you've just literally 
wasted a whole year yeah. focused on things you thought were gonna get you to a place and they didn't. If you're right? surprised, shame on both of you. That's right. Shame on the leader That's for right. dropping the bomb at the end of the year, not coaching you along That's the right. way. And shame on you for not being self-aware or right. aware enough or courageous enough to ask, That's how's right. it going, what That's can right. I do? That's right. I agree. Yeah, so another lesson that I would give and the kind of another, another guidance that I would give is perception. Perception is reality. Um, you realize this when you're in the market every day and you're, and you're supporting customers, right? It doesn't really matter what you think reality is right. or what you think your operational performance is. What matters is what the customer thinks, yeah. what they perceive, yes. right? If we think about ourselves as consumers and ex as an example, we remember, in many cases, the last worst thing that happened, right? When we think about a brand mm -hmm. or whatnot. Yeah. And that's perception, right? Airlines, you know, restaurants. Yeah, whatever right. the case may be, right? right? You know? And so you need to have good command over how you're perceived. There now. Companies now have wonderful mechanisms of 360-degree feedback and things like that, right? And so this, again, gets to the point of take your career into your own hands. And if you don't know how you're perceived, you need to ask, mm -hmm. right? And ask and get that feedback because feedback is truly a gift. You know, um, another, another um, you know, kind of point that I give in terms of your career is, you know, a lot of this also has to do with right place, right time. I don't believe that luck happens. I believe that you create your luck. Um, I believe that you know, thinking about how you're positioned in, in, a, in a business, in a team, in a community, has a lot to do with the relationships that you manage, right? Not just uh, what you know, but who you know, and also who knows you, right? And I think this gets to the power of relationships, um, you know, to the point of kind of pulling these things together. You know, I also think about, I think it's great to have ambition, and I think that ambition is important. Um, but I would say that one area that I see people fail is um, they have too much expectation. Right, and so they they uh, and they have expectation of entitlement. Well, hey, I did all of these things, yeah. and I am, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm qualified for that job. I'm capable for that, and I feel like I'm entitled to that job. I right? see it all the time. I yes. tell people, you're harvesting too soon. Yes, you got to plant your crops. You got to fertilize right. them, water them. That's right. Maybe you have to do a couple, go through a couple of crop rotations before you're ready to go on. Yeah, for sure, for sure, right. And as long as you are. Um, as long as you have a joy in what you do, right? And in order to have joy in what you do, you have to have some degree of passion for, for what you do, right? And it's, um, I think too many people are phoning in, right? I mean, they view like, okay, their career, it's a means to a paycheck. But then if that's the case, then know it, know it for what it is, which is fine. If that's what success means to you and you're finding joy in your life in other ways, then manage it, right? I mean, each one of us has our own version and definition of what success is, which morphs yeah. throughout our life. Yeah. Um, but each one of our own careers is our own. And it is our own very unique journey. And uh, you know, the best that people like you and I, Scott, can do is just share, um, you know, share our experiences and share our little gems of you know, wisdom and, and knowledge to help, on, right? yeah, to, yeah. to help others find their own and establish their own journey. Right. And final couple of minutes yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how do brands that are that are large and legacy brands like AT&T mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, make themselves attractive to yeah. new students coming out of college people in the workforce that are you know increasingly independent right yes, and yes. they want to be entrepreneurs they yes. want to be entrepreneurs right. they want to own small businesses right. uh, you're a legacy brand yeah. right how, how old is AT&T over 140 years old insane <laughs> uh, and you've chosen to stay there yes, i'm sure right. you're very prolific on, on linkedin you've yeah. had lots of options i'm sure yeah. What is AT&T doing to make themselves an employer of choice for the yeah. next generation? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, first and foremost, I mean, it, it is really about our mission and our vision, right? I mean, for us, you know, we, we our objective is to inspire human progress, right, as a, as a modern media, you know, and communications company, right? And so um, as we think about our evolution as, as, a, as a company, I mean, we believe so much in 
who we are in the marketplace, what we're trying to accomplish for our customers, consumers and businesses alike, it really starts with that mission. Now, in terms of how that mission gets realized and how the brand becomes and transforms into a very contemporary brand, right? Mm -hmm. This, again, is um, very much a journey, right, like everything else is. Um, I, I will give you an example of, um, where in, my, in my group, we have, um, you know, we hire people from college. We have a, uh, we call it our B2B sales development program. Yep. Um, and what we've worked hard to do is build relationships with universities, with student populations, um, where, we see good success, right? Where you know they're graduating from sales programs, we bring them in. You know, we recently started summer internship program with them as well, so that we can build that pipeline, and we really work to surround them with um, so many of what uh, things of what they what they want, right? Which is an immersive experience in their first couple of months with us, which goes far beyond training, but really gets to learning and development and a great launch pad, right? And then we work um, to help them rotate and get into the field. Um, you know, and build early experiences with lots of mentoring and support and a network, right? Not just a peer network, uh, but also with a programmatic discipline. Yeah, right. You know, and all we can hope uh, to tr strive to achieve is you know creating an environment where they can perform and be successful. In this case, as sales professionals, um, and support you know support their careers, uh, you know, and, and advance them and support them. Um, you know, as they you know as as they continue in. in their and lives. it's yeah. encouraging to yeah. see to listen to the CEO of AT&T Business be so closely connected, yeah. to be so articulate about what your strategy is. I mm -hmm. mean, one of your, your key goals, obviously, is to bring in the next generation yes. of leaders, and yes. you're not just aware of it, you're helping to craft that strategy. No, absolutely. I mean, next generation leadership is one of my great passions. I believe that it is actually yeah. the role of every CEO, every leader needs to be thinking about vitality in the workforce yeah. and how to continually transform the culture to enable and support that next level of performance and success, right? Whether it's for that team, for that organization, for that company, for that for that unit, and um, yeah, and, and for sure, I mean, you know, if, if I think about my own journey, you know, hey, I, I never used to tweet, but tweeting is a big part of employee recognition. It now. is, yeah, and building and so, a culture, and yes, yeah. it is. Speaking right. of which, how yes. can people follow you if they want to learn more about you? Yeah, no, that's you're pretty prolific, <laughs> prolific in your writing. Not as you, not, not as much as you, Scott. Maybe someday. That's my aspiration. Well, our jobs are different, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and your kids are in college yeah, yeah, almost, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, Why yeah, not? yeah, that's right. So, um, so people can follow me if they if they so desire, and I would be honored if they would on Twitter, yeah. um, you know, at the Ann Chow, and then also on LinkedIn as well. So that's right. I, I would be honored if uh, anybody out there in the audience would like to follow me. Yeah, Twitter yeah. and. LinkedIn. Yes. And thanks for your contribution to today's interview. Thank you for Thank being you. on our board. Thanks for all you're doing. Great honor to have you. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And we'll as always. probably have you back sometime okay. in 2020 again. All right. Well, thanks. thanks. Sounds great. Thanks, and Scott. Thanks for joining us with Ann Chow, uh, Chairman or CEO of AT&T Business, for our great conversation today. If you're not subscribing to On Leadership, visit franklincovey.com. Click on the On Leadership tab. Subscribe. Your entire team comes out every Tuesday via email. Uh, different interview each week with a uh, video and audio podcast accessible. You can rate it, rank it, review it on your favorite podcast channels, and we'll see you back here for a new interview on leadership.